Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Businesses Influencer Marketing Podcast with your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Danielle Liss. Each week, we will help you unlock the secrets of influencer marketing through interviews with leading professionals, and tips and tricks to help you scale your business. Sit back, grab a coffee, and let's talk all things influencer marketing. Hey there, this is Danielle. And this is Jamie. Welcome to episode 42 of the Businesses Influencer Marketing Podcast. I am super excited for today's episode because we are talking about sales. And I think that might be a word that most people feel a little bit of doom about, perhaps. What do you think? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't know that many people typically say, I'm so excited about sales. <laughs> you know what? I'm excited for this one because I don't consider myself a salesperson. That's just not something I ever thought of myself as. But Nikki puts it in a way that is super, it makes you think, oh, wait, yeah, I am. I'm great at that. So I think it will be a good boost for people who may not think of themselves as salespeople. But I have a question for you, Jamie, before we get to her interview. Were you ever, did you ever have to sell stuff for one of your jobs? So I never had like the traditional selling job. Like I had a friend in law school who sold Cutco knives, which always made me kind of giggle. She made a lot of money too. I mean, I worked retail and I was a waitress. So in some ways we were always selling in retail. You know, I worked at Gap Kids and Abercrombie and Fitch. So it was sort of, we were always selling, although I was paid whether I sold or not. And in waitressing, it's definitely a lot of sales because you want people to drink. So you're always trying to push the booze. And the higher the bill, the higher your tip. So we, you know, you always, as much as you can, are selling, you know, your higher ticket items. So I didn't have necessarily traditional sales jobs. Although one time, right out of law school, I'm sorry, right out of college, I had a job for like a minute before I went to my real jobs. And I was a headhunter. That was all sales. And it was miserable. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I think I, that sounds really hard. It was, I was a headhunter for actuaries. Like, oh, wow. I know. I, just, I literally lasted a month. And I was like, you know what, I think, I think I'm gonna explore another avenue. <laughs> How about you? Have you ever had a sales job? I think it's similar to you. I was mostly in retail. Remember structure? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Structure in the 90s when it remember the structure sweaters that were so just thinking that 
Yeah, the they were a piece of our youth for sure. Um, and I used to, of course, buy myself the structure sweaters. Um, yeah, I did. Yeah. So I worked there and I did a lot um, for a credit card company. I wasn't selling, I didn't start in telemarketing for like getting people to apply for cards, but I worked in the balance transfer unit. And so I would call people to see if they wanted to transfer a balance for a low promotional interest rate. And it wasn't that bad because it was on the phone, but I never was fantastic at the in-person selling. How much did you get hung up on? <laughs> a lot. It was, I think it was like right before caller ID oh. or maybe caller ID was around and people didn't care as much, but it was definitely before everybody just used their cell phone and if they didn't recognize the number, they never answered it. So we did get a lot of answers, which is good. Did you, did you ever get anyone telling you like crazy stories? All the time. After I did that job, like another, because I worked there all through undergrad and I moved to collections at one point. Oh man, there were some crazy, crazy stories all the time. And then I worked in um, customer service for a while. So yeah, it was always interesting in the fraud department. Oh gosh, I have stories. How did I not <laughs> know this? So I have, yeah. a, I have a funny phone story right after the headhunting job. I ended up going to work for a company that did 411 for your cell phone. Not even kidding. Yeah, it was 1998 (laughs) into I was there 98, 99. And so it was literally this company that was based out of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And I had gone to Lehigh. They call centers all over the country. And we did 411 for your cell phone in the, the main headquarters. And one of the big call centers was in Bethlehem. So I ended up taking this job and I stayed in Bethlehem for about a year after I had graduated college until I ended up moving to New York. But the stories people would tell when they called 411 was unbelievable. To get a phone number. Yes. And then you'd get a crazy story. Yes. Oh my. Because the other thing that they would do is they offered like an extra service where if you were like standing in the middle of New York City and you're in the West Village and you were like, can you tell me five restaurants that are within like a five block radius? This was one of the services that they offered. And so we would get the craziest request because it was 24 seven. So at 3 a.m. when you're very hungry and you've maybe had a little bit to drink and you're looking for a club of a certain variety, they would call. It was. You realize what you're saying, Jamie. <laughs> you were 1998 Siri. Yes, I was. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Yes, that's what we were. I had no idea we had these fun like call center call-in stories, Danielle. That's amazing. I'm like, I have, you know, I have all the questions about this and we will get to those. Oh, but this is another episode. (laughs) I know. Before we get into any of those stories, we are going to give you an amazing interview with Nikki Roush. And before we dive in, I want to give you a quick bio for Nikki. She is the founder and CEO of Sales Maven, which is an organization dedicated to authentic selling. Nikki Roush has the unique ability to transform the misunderstood process of selling. With 24 plus years of experience selling to prestigious organizations, Nikki shattered sales records in many industries. Today, entrepreneurs and small business owners from a wide range of disciplines hire Nikki to show them how to sell successfully and authentically without being pushy or salesy. I am so excited for people to hear this interview and how it can help them grow their influencer business. Now let's dive into our interview with Nikki. Nikki, welcome to the show. I am so excited to talk all things sales with you today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. 
Before we get started about sales, which I know can be a little bit of a daunting topic for some people, let's talk a little bit about your background. I come from the corporate technology sales. I did that for many years. I've actually been in sales for 24 years. I have found that my success has been based on relationship selling. So how do you build really strong relationships? And I had a lot of success in corporate. I also am a master certified practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. And if that's a new term, for anybody listening. It sounds super scientific and it's really the study of communication. So what I do now is I work with entrepreneurs, business owners, and organizations and teach them a combination of what I had a lot of success using in my sales career, but also combining my NLP background. And so really focused on the relationship side of selling. I'm super excited to jump into this because really when we talk about sales in the influencer marketing space, a lot of people really shy away from that. You'll hear people talk a lot about pitching, but you don't hear the word sales. Why do you think some people are hesitant to really embrace the fact that they are selling? (laughs) I think a lot of people are hesitant around it because sales has kind of gotten a bad rap, right? We've all been in a situation where somebody has come across aggressive or pushy with us and we kind of go to like, oh, they're so salesy. They're so, you know, it's that negative connotation with it. And really when people are showing up like that and they're not offering themselves any benefit because people who show up and come across that way are doing one of two things. One, they're either focused on their own agenda, which is really not how sales happens. Sales happens when you focus on the other person and you don't make it about you, or they're trying to sell like somebody else. Somebody told them, here's the formula, step one through 20. This is how you sell people. And and I don't find that that works. I I really believe that if you're not being your authentic self, it comes across kind of icky and gross. I'm not a big believer. I always tell people, I don't ever tell people or show people how to sell like me. I really teach how you can be authentically you and also have a little strategy around it. Understand what's going on in the process so that you're able to help the other person get whatever it is that they need or want. Yes, sales has kind of that negative connotation with it, but realistically, if you are in this mindset of like, I don't want to have to sell anything, you're kind of saying, I don't want to make any money. I think that's our quote for the episode. So I really do want people to embrace the idea that it's okay to sell. It's okay to want to make money. Even if you view yourself as a hobbyist, these are all really good things. And I love this unique approach that you have, because I think that we do really get caught in this chain of paint by numbers formulas where people say, okay, whether they're in direct marketing or whatever it is that they're doing, they're saying, okay, well, this person told me I need to do X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to do that. Why can't I replicate the success that they've had? And they get frustrated. So tell us a little bit more about how you teach rather than providing people with that sort of paint by numbers formula. Well, one of the things that I do is I do specialize in the language of sales. So what it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. So I do give a lot of language suggestions, but I I don't give scripts to my clients. I really figure out how do they talk? What are the things that they might say? And how can we just make some tiny adjustments? Because really, when you're showing up being yourself and you're passionate and you're engaged about what it is that you have to offer and meeting somebody else's need, the, the process gets a lot easier. So as long as you understand where you are in the process. So I teach the process of sales. I, I teach it as like a staircase. A lot of people talk 
talk about sales like it's a funnel. And I get that concept, but realistically, the whole sales funnel thing is more of a marketing concept than it is a selling concept. It's more about like getting leads into your funnel. Well, that's marketing. I really am teaching, what do you do when you have an actual lead? How do you build rapport with the other person? How do you elicit kind of what their needs and wants are? And then how do you deliver back a proposal that meets their needs and wants? So they're able to make a decision and then language to move clients into action. So it really kind of comes down to understanding the process, but being able to add some tiny little adjustments to what you're doing so that you're more effective. I love this idea of thinking of it as a staircase. So let's say if someone is completely new to the idea of sales or is now just starting to embrace the idea that they do need to (laughs) start selling. (laughs) So let's say somebody who started out as a hobby blogger, but now they want to monetize their site. What advice would you offer them as that first step in the staircase? Well, the first step is you need to have an offer. <laughs> I find a lot of times people think, well, if people want to hire me, they'll just let me know. They they absolutely will not. And you have to be willing to invite people to whatever the next step is. So a next step is some type of an offer, some type of a invitation for people to take a next step with you. If you're a blogger, you have to have some kind of way for somebody to work with you. They're not just going to read your blog and go, oh my gosh, you're the best thing since sliced bread. So I'm just going to hire you. They have to actually understand what the process is to hiring you. So what is that next step for them? What's the offer? I love this so much because I think a lot of times we really do hear from influencers who are saying, well, I don't want to go out and directly pitch to people. So I just take what comes to me. And I love the idea of really refining what is it out of the services that you offer to them that you think would be a good fit. That's a really good place to start. I think for many people who will be listening. Now, for a lot of influencers, they've built that audience and they want to connect with brands and they figured out that one of the things that they may want to offer is sponsored content. And I think that's a pretty natural step for many people as that first offering that they are making. What would you then advise them to look at some tips for more effective sales? Well, first of all, when you are putting content out into the market, you have to remember that the whether it's sponsored content or whatever, it has to be for the benefit of the reader or the person that you're sending it to. So where I'm going with this is a lot of times content is very like me focused, the person who's writing the content or putting it out there. And frankly, your me content will never be as interesting as you content to the reader. So are you making it about the reader and are you solving their problem and meeting their need? And one of the ways that you can kind of check yourself with this, this is a little tip here, is are you making a lot of I statements in your content. So if it's all like, I did this, and then I said that, and then this happened to me, that's really not very interesting to the reader. So if you change it around and make it more you statements, all of a sudden that person feels like, she's speaking to me. She gets me. So you want to learn how to change some of your language around from being I statements to you statements. Now it gets a lot more interesting to the reader, and they're much more likely to take action when it feels like it is to them and about them. When we're talking about focusing on the audience, how do you translate that into your sales pitch, the offer that you're making to a brand that you would be focusing on your audience? Do you have any tips on how you might phrase that? Well, instead of saying, for instance, like, I want to invite you to do X, Y, and Z, you would say you're invited to do this. 
and you'll be learning or you'll be shown how to do you know, whatever these next things are when you're so if it you want to send an offer out into the marketplace, a lot of times people are like, well, I'm going to teach you this and I'm going to show you that and I'm going to walk you through my blah, blah, blah. And that's not very interesting to the reader. <laughs> so instead, it needs to be you're invited, you'll be shown, here's what you'll learn. And here's how you take action. Here's your next step. That's a really interesting tweak because it's like you said, it's really minor, just transitioning a little bit of the sentence structure, but it really does have a big impact. So I think that part of my question there is how do you convey that? Because what we would have for many influencers is they are going to be sending out a sales proposal to a brand for content that they want to create for their audience. So we know that the use statements work really well in the content that they would be creating because it would lead to people taking more action and feeling more engaged. How do you convey that to a third party that that is the kind of content that you create? It really kind of breaks down to, again, for their for the third party, it needs to be, here's the benefit to you and here's the benefit of why this content phrased this way is having a better impact or a bigger impact really to our audience. And, and here's what you'll receive as a result. It's the same to to your to your brand as it is to your audience. That makes a lot of sense. So there is an outstanding tip that you can take to use. I would say take a moment and go back to your pitches and really take a look at how you're phrasing things. Because I know I used to hear from a lot of brands when I was in the network days where they would say, we get a lot of pitches from influencers and it really just comes off as gimme, gimme, gimme. I want free stuff. And yeah. they said they saw themselves nowhere in the proposal. So I think that this is really talking about how you can put them back in so that they can see the benefit. Well, and remember too that, you know, sales is about interaction with people. You're not really selling to a brand. There is one person that's reading that email or reading that message or that you're having that conversation with. It's still about the relationship. It's still about rapport. It still needs to be interesting to the person that you're reaching out to. Even if you're looking at it as like it's a brand, it is, but you know, people always say like, Nikki, can you sell this product? Or do you know how to help people sell this other product? And really my answer is, are you selling to people? And if you're selling to people, yes, because I believe that you have to put the person that you're selling to first in the relationship. It has to be for their benefit. It has to be about them. It can't be about you. And frankly, when you start to learn to switch up some of these things and you start to realize, I need to make this for the other person's benefit, that kind of the side benefit to you is it takes the pressure off of you. Now it doesn't feel like I'm being salesy or I'm being too aggressive because you're making it 100% about the other person. And now it doesn't come off icky and gross. I love all of these tips so, so much. And I want to dive into a little bit about how we communicate, because I think that that's a really important piece of what you're saying. And what we often see in the influencer marketing world is that many people want to keep things on email specifically. Like if you say to them, I want to get on the phone, they don't want to. Do you find value in getting on the phone or do you think that you can conduct the same thing via email? Oh, 100% getting on the phone is going to make a big difference. So email is really just your first line of communication. There was a study done years ago. It's called the Mahabrian study where they talk about you can break communication down into kind of three pieces of a pie if you're looking at a pie chart. And in this study, they came back and said, 
about 7% of all of communication is words. So when you're communicating via email, all you have to work with is 7%. But as soon as you add voice quality to that, you now bump it up to you're working with 45% of communication. So you are going to be able to hear in the other person's voice so much more than what you can just get out of from an email. Because when you're reading an email and there's a tone to it, ask yourself who added the tone? The reader. So you don't know how, what kind of frame of mind that person is going to be in when you send that email to them. They might be having a terrible day and they read your email and they go like, wow, this person comes off as such a jerk. But really it's because they're having a bad day. And if they were having a great day, they might read your email and go, wow, this person comes off really well. You get on the phone and now they can actually hear in your voice your intent behind your message. It isn't just the words that you're working with. So 100% get on the phone whenever you can. When the stakes are high and there's a lot of money on the line, I mean, your best communication is in person and your second best is over the phone or something like Zoom or Skype. I love everything you just said. And the fact that you had a study to cite just made my heart pitter patter because I think (laughs) everybody knows I'm like a huge data geek. So I love that we have something to go back with. And you can say anybody can hear that and say 7% versus 45%. What works better? So I love that example. So good. Here's another question because I think many people don't know how to transition. They may think, okay, I've at least got them talking to me via email and I want to get on the phone now. And I think that they feel like they're being too abrupt to say, can I schedule a call? Do you have recommendations for how to do that transition from email to phone in a way that, again, takes out that feeling where you're like, oh, they just think that I'm trying to sell them something? Because again, yeah, you are. But people have that feeling, that negative connotation that goes with it. Yeah. And don't be, again, don't be afraid to like show up with true intention. You know, if you're the person person who's like, I don't want to sell anybody anything. You are saying to the universe, to everybody around you, I don't want to make any money. It's not true and it's not authentic because why else would you be doing what you're doing? So absolutely, I have a tip to get people on the phone. So again, it needs to be for their benefit. So you might just say to somebody via email, you might say to them, what do you think about us hopping on a quick 10 to 15 minute call? That way we can get all of your questions answered. I'll be able to supply any additional data that you need. And then here's how you get people on the phone. You say this, here are three possible times for a phone call. And then you give three windows of time. So you don't just say like, Thursday at 8. You say Thursday, 8 a.m., between 8 a.m. and 10 p.m., or not 10 p.m., 10 a.m. And then you give a second time window and a third time window. And the reason this is so crucial and you cannot not give these three times is because if you just say to somebody like, hey, let me know when you're available to hop on a phone call, I'm telling you right now, nobody is available to hop on a phone call. None of us just have free time in our day. But when you give people three possible possible times, it's really easy for them to look at their schedule and go, oh, I do have this little window of time and I can get on the phone with somebody. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you remember this, but this is how you and I first got our very first phone call is I gave you three times and you picked one. This is how I get people on the phone 
<laughs> all the time is I just give these three possible times. And then I'll say my next line up bottom line will be, of course, if you prefer something else, please let me know what works best for you because it's about the other person. And by giving a window of time, you just make it so easy for the other person to go, that time doesn't work, that time doesn't work. Oh, here's a time that works. And now you're on their calendar. So when you pick up the phone and call them, guess what? They're going to answer. They're expecting your call. They're looking forward to it. That's perfect. And I do remember, and it did work perfectly. So very well played. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about your book, Buying Signals. Um, Surprising to no one, I bought it and read it and I loved it. (laughs) It was really interesting to me because I do a lot of sales that I didn't previously categorized as sales. I didn't look at some of the in-person interactions that I would have at conferences as sales. And reading that book was a real eye-opener for me as to, oh my goodness, look at the potential interactions that I'm not, I guess, recognizing is Mm -hmm. the best way to put that. So can you tell us a little bit more about how to better recognize those buying signals and some that people may regularly miss? Absolutely. So buying signals is the heartbeat of my brand. It's the number one thing I get asked to talk about and teach. And it can make a huge shift in your business when you start to recognize these signals that people give. So first of all, what is a buying signal? A buying signal can be either a verbal or a nonverbal cue that somebody gives that indicates that they're interested in some way. It doesn't always mean like, oh, I gave you a buying signal. So now I'm going to give you money. It sometimes means I gave you a buying signal. Please invite me to whatever the next step is in the process just to kind of get to know more. That's what they are first and foremost. And then some of the most missed buying signals, especially in interactions with people, I'm going to give you the number one missed one, is when somebody gives you a compliment about your product, your service, your company, what you do, that is a potential buying signal. So if somebody is like, Danielle, oh my gosh, I just know, or I've heard great things about you and hashtag legal, like you want to be able to to say thank you, right? Like we all want it. We like a compliment, some of us more than others. I love compliments. So it's like, thank you. But you have to then follow up and do something else with it. You can't just say thank you and leave it there. You have to say thank you. Now, is there some way I might be a resource to you? And then you wait because it allows for that other person to go like, huh, well, I wonder, you know, I have this issue and I could really use some help with that. Is that something you guys do? And you then, you know, the answer is probably yes. And here's how we do it? And is that something you would like more information on? Or is that something we should go ahead and get you set up to do? Or should we schedule a call about that? You can't just leave it as like, here's my website, check it out, because they won't. They're too busy. That is so good. And we are going to be hitting fall conference season for a lot of influencers in the next couple of months. September, I think really is when we'll be in the thick of it, as many people are in fall conference season then. And I really want people to keep that in mind when you're having those conversations with people, keep, do everything Nikki just said, because it's (laughs) gold. It really is. Take the compliment and then try to expand on it. Oh my gosh, that's such good advice. Before we wrap up, I want to make sure that everyone knows about your services. Can you tell us a bit more about how you work with people? Absolutely. So there's four kind of main ways that I work with people. I do corporate trainings for organizations. I do private one-on-one coaching for entrepreneurs. I have a group coaching program for entrepreneurs. And then I have a self-guided program, which is a ton, a ton, a ton of sales content, tips and techniques that are for the people who like to just kind of go at your own pace. 
So those are the main ways I work with people. That is fantastic. So now are you ready for our rapid fire questions? Yes. Hit me with them. Okay. Number one, coffee or tea? Tea, but it has to be iced. Interesting. Okay. Number two, what's your favorite book? It can be business or not business. My favorite sales book is The Go-Giver. I love that book. I read it years and year, years ago, and it just sticks with me because it makes it about the other person. So I love that message. Question three, what's the first thing that you did to celebrate success in your business? What did you do for yourself? I love technology. So the first thing I did when I published my first book is I went and bought myself a brand new iPad. <laughs> Very nice. I think Jamie would like that especially. Um, <laughs> number four, do you have a word for the year? If so, what is it? Yes, my word for the year is streamlined. We like that a lot. One of ours, our business word of the year is outsource. So that one is <laughs> close to our heart. That uh, might be my next year's word. <laughs> it's a good one. Uh, we've had a lot of fun with that. Number five, and I think I might be able to guess this, Apple or PC? Oh, definitely Apple. Okay. Now, the one thing I want everybody to know is how can they find you and learn more about the programs that you offer? Oh, thank you. So they can visit my website, but I actually have a special download for your audience. Is it okay if I offer that for them? Of course. Of course, we would love to, and we'll make sure that that's linked in the show notes too. Okay, so the download is an ebook that I wrote on closing the sale, like mastering the art of the close. So this will get people on my mailing list. This will get people my weekly, I send out a weekly sales tip, but more importantly, they'll get the free book. And then of course, you'll be on my website so you can check out other information and reach out to me if I can support anybody. So the download link is yoursalesmaven.com slash B-I-M. So this is for your audience, B-I-M. So yoursalesmaven.com slash B-I-M. Thank you so much. I, of course, I'm going to download it and make sure I've read it. I am on your mailing list and you have so many good tips. I absolutely love them. So we are so grateful that you were able to join us today. Thank you so much. for. Uh, there's just so much amazing content here for people to unpack. Thank you. Danielle, I love her approach to sales. I mean, I don't even feel like it's selling, which is, I think, how we approach meeting clients and growing our business. So I, I think it's, it's so great. I agree with you. It's all about relationships. And I love how she frames it. And I agree. It doesn't, in those circumstances, it doesn't feel like you're being sold to. That's, I, I think it's, it's really the only way. You just have to know that you're in it for the long term. And that you really, I, I feel like people know when you genuinely, truly just want to build relationships, want to meet people, want to see who you can help. It, it, it's, it's clear that comes through. And I love that approach. I do too. So we want to hear from you in the HQ. If you have questions on selling or if you want to tell us an amazing selling story, especially it seems if you have a good call center story, which yes. <laughs> depending on your age, you may have. If you're not a member of the HQ, you can go to businessease.com slash HQ to join. And for show notes, you can go to businessease.com slash episode 42. Thank you so much. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Business Ease Influencer Marketing Podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. If you like the podcast, we'd love if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your reviews help new listeners find us. If you have any questions, you can email us at questions at businessease.com. We'd really love to hang out with you in our Facebook group, the Business Ease HQ. To join, 
visit businessease.com slash HQ. We want to give a big thank you to our producer, Don Jackson of the Raven Media Group, for making us sound so very good. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.